Presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. I'm not going to be able to do this without laughing. I'm Darren Millard, the host of In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm chuckling right now because we almost had a major technical malfunction, but we narrowly dodged that disaster. Thanks to uh, Kevin Woodley, one of the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, here alongside David Hutchison. Woody, would you like to share with the world what you almost did? Well, I mean, you, you mentioned the word technology and disaster, so naturally I'm involved in it. And it's, it's a little simple thing that comes in handy when you're recording a podcast, and that is actually hitting the record button, something I neglected to do as we began our first take, but was at least this time, unlike past attempts, smart enough to recognize that the numbers weren't ticking away as we got started. So I'm learning, guys. I'm not that bright. I'm a little slow on the uptake, but I'm getting there. I admit that I've done this. Uh, have you guys ever gone on the ice with skate guards on? I certainly have. Yeah. I have. How about you? You know what? I, I haven't. Have. I have not. I like, and I would admit it if I had. Uh, speaking of admissions, uh, remember when I got all bold last week, concentration kit, and I threw out like a two minute and 30 on the concentration yeah, yeah. kit 10 by 10. I went back and checked touch to see what, like, cause I remember screen capping them to send you and like the, the best I had was four thirty. So I was like, or four four thirty two, not even close. So clearly, in my mind, I am a lot better than I actually am. So take that as with a grain. Everything I say from here on out, just kind of <laughs> divide the performance level in half, and that's that's roughly where we are. You just defined beer league goaltending right there in my yeah. mind. I'm <laughs> a lot better mind. than I really am. Yeah, yeah that's you it. Know, if if this isn't uh, just a walking talking promo to uh to get people to listen to in gold radio the podcast i don't know what is we almost don't record it uh we walk on the ice with skate guards on and then you've got uh, false information about uh, how brilliant our minds work we're right on it making it happen uh, today <laughs> we're going to chat with a former national hockey league mackenzie skapsky who is uh, a goaltender who's entering a new phase of his uh, hockey career and I'm going to be upfront and honest with everybody. When it comes to a podcast, I, Mackenzie Skapsky doesn't jump out at me as an interview that I'll go, okay, I got to listen to this. But it is a conversation with Kevin Woodley that I could not turn off. It covers a lot of different areas. Uh, he didn't have a, a, a extended National Hockey League career, played a couple of games, got a shout out. Uh, but his journey and where he is now and what happened throughout uh, his growth as a goaltender is is fascinating and uh, the challenges that he, that he went through. It's a really neat conversation. So we'll catch up with Mackenzie and tell you all about what uh, what is happening uh, next on his rundown for his uh, hockey career. And in the gear segment today, it's all about Black Friday, Woody. Yeah, big savings down at the hockey shop and, of course, thehockeyshop.com. So headed down there this week to get the lowdown from Cam on what specifically you can save the most on. Uh, I'm going to save the specifics for the segment with Cam, but there are some, you know, there's some beauties in there, like like literally two for one on some items, fifty percent off on on like some pro level equipment. So make sure you stick around and listen to the Cam uh, from the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com as we run through the Black Friday sales. Uh, of course, Black Friday for 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 a goalie store, it's it's not just about the sale; it's about a chance to clear out sort of inventory as they prepare for the new stuff, and uh, that's kind of what makes the hockey shop great. Not 
just the fact that they have goalies ordering the newest stuff. So in the spring, they'll have the latest and the greatest and we'll walk through all those lines as they're released. But the hockey shop, because of the size of that little goalie slice of goalie heaven down in the basement, they've got massive inventory. So at certain times of the year, that means there's a lot they need to get rid of. And that means great savings and great sales on some great brands and still great equipment. And of course, because the staff all plays the position and is knowledgeable, if you've got any questions about what's the difference between, let's say, for example, the Optic One glove that's going to be on sale big time at the Black Friday sale versus the Optic Two glove that just came out, you just contact Cam and his staff and they'll be able to tell you the exact differences. So that's why I go to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey. That's why you should go to the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com. For all your goaltending needs, they've got the latest, they've got the greatest, and they've got a staff that knows the difference between that and everything that's going to be on sale Black Friday. Uh, the other goalie on my Friday skate that I found uh, in uh, Las Vegas, his cage was just mangled and his mask needs some uh, some serious uh, upgrading. So he came out and we were talking about it and I said, I've got a website for you, set him up, and he's uh, all taken care of. So it's pretty cool. Was it Freddie Anderson level bad? Uh, yes. It, really? it very much uh, similar to to the way those things. Look, you for those that didn't see, Freddie took one off the uh, off the mind, and the cage was dented right in. And I'm not going to get into the controversy about the whether the whistle should have gone or anything like that. But you see, with a good cage, folks, that's how much uh, power uh, is absorbed by your cage. When it bends like that, that's a good thing uh, because it's taking the force uh, away from your head. So. Again, that's why you change your cage to protect your your mind. Well, we've had a whole segment on this with Cam from the hockey shop talking about the importance of it. And I kind of equated it at the time and I equate it now to it's a bike helmet, right? If you have a really bad fall on a bike and you hit your head and that bike helmet takes that blow and protects you from a concussion or serious, you know, potentially brain damage, they always tell you it's time to like bike helmets are made for one crash. And be grateful that they saved you in that crash, but buy a new one before the next crash, whether it's banged up, physically damaged, you can see it or not. And I kind of look at cages the same way. I think that's why Freddie Anderson was so upset because it was so badly bent and I could see it on the TV, kind of called it out right away. It was really like down by his cheek. And as a goalie, you know, once it's like that, the next shot, if it happens to be in a similar place, like that cage is vulnerable. It could pop off. You could end up like Nabokov with cuts right through your nose and stitches and all those kind of things. Not likely going to happen, but you know, it's one thing for Freddie Anderson got to switch it out right away for those of us in beer league to go out and play for months and months with it like that. It's just probably not all that bright. So make sure you check out our friends at thehockeyshop.com for a fresh cage. Hutch. You were, you were waving your hands around there. Well, I thought you made an excellent point, actually, Darren, that I hadn't ever considered before. I mean, we, we've talked before about maybe the welds are compromised. Maybe you're more likely to a traumatic injury after the helmet gets, gets hit. But you actually brought up the point that the cage itself had absorbed some of the shock for you. And now it can't fill that same function. And that's something I never thought of. I think it's a great one. But I well, replaced you know the what? cage anyway. So, yeah, well, you're either you're either cheap, not you personally. Uh, but uh, the people that do this are either cheap, and I understand that there's financial limitations, or uh, or you're dumb. It's just it's it's one or the other. Uh, why you don't change a, a badly mangled cage? And I'm sorry if I offended anybody. Uh, take it out on Hutch and Woody. Thank it's you. okay. It's okay, Darren. I'm not offended. I have. <laughs> I I'm I'm sitting here preaching, and I have a cat eye that took a, one from a guy who played pro overseas. 
I know, and and months ago. That was months ago. Yeah, and you know what? Because I can't just go buy a cat eye off the rack in Canada. Um, I, I've I've neglected it, and just you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Just the stu- you, it's you, stupidity. It's stupidity. And I I play in a, like I got a teammate right now that he got high sticked in the face, and and his low his lower lip went the teeth went right through it. Like it was just ugly yeah. the other night, just blood everywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, like wear a cage that like what are you doing, dummy? And so yeah, so priority one, I'll be uh, I'll, Woody, I'll go see Cam next next tomorrow. Okay, next. Don't tomorrow. try and sell me on this whole thing. I can't go and just buy a cage off the off the rack because it's Canada and there's rules. You have more connections than anybody I know to get. You could probably go to Seven Eleven and walk out with a cage. You've got that <laughs> many uh, good connections. So the the idea that you're using this, I just Ig- can't walk uh, down the Ig- street and get it's a cage. Ig- it's is your reason why you haven't switched it? As if he would. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's okay. ignorance. Yeah. Okay. I'm on yeah, it, boys. I'm on it. So you, but you, uh, but don't worry, Derek. You didn't offend me. Okay. Good. Uh, well, the uh, the Black Friday sale at the hockey shop uh, got me thinking. Get your dream set, get a great deal on it, and maybe you can walk on the ice with the confidence, the swagger, the cool, dynamic look of a UC Soros. Boys, I watched them play against the St. Louis Blues uh, this past week, and the, the, they had the gold sweaters with the, with the gold helmets on, Nashville Predators, and then he had this, this gold set with, uh, with the gloves and the pads, and it was spectacular. And shout out to UC Saros for letting us be the ones to tell the world that he had a gold set coming this year. Because remember when we ran into them and we mentioned that in the Chris Mason interview that, you know, his first set, remember he switched to the um, Retroflex look on his CCMs this year, that sort of vintage look with the Love little it. bit of coloring in the knee rolls. And I yeah. asked him, do you, and he said, yeah, I got a gold set coming hopefully soon. So uh, we shared that with the world. And you're right, Darren, is, uh, it, was, it was pretty spectacular to watch. And I'm not usually that like I, I wouldn't go down the path of boy that uh, the, like Mark Andre Fleury's pads uh, the gold set was always loved. I I wasn't of that ilk. Uh, I liked it, but I didn't go Gaga. This this look with the all yellow uh, the helmet and everything just popped for some reason. So what, what separates we, them for you? What what what's I, different? Between I don't know him whether it's Fleury. just the odd the the, the the yellow helmet everything and and the sweaters and or or what I I don't know maybe I'm it's like years later and I'm I've got a different opinion of it, uh, but I'm telling you it looked it looked really good and he got the win. Where were you on the Thatcher Demko pads with the Canucks ni- mid nineties black jerseys with the downhill skate and the sort of spaghetti skate and the orange and the black and the and the red? You know what I liked about that was it was a bit of modern. But also match the uniform. He didn't try and go all nineteen uh, eighties nineties uh, on that. Uh, he he threw a bit of a, a modern look in it, but but obviously still really matched the the sweaters and the and the skate. I I liked it. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it actually looked really good, especially once it was yeah. in the. You know, I saw it originally like pictures from Brian's Custom Sports on their Instagram, and like I liked it. But once he had it on with the jerseys, I thought it really popped. Only downside. Um, and this didn't come from Demko. This came from somebody else that told me this. The original intent was to do a full Kirk McLean tribute set with the brown blocker and the multicolored glove yeah. and the black pads. But unfortunately, that was gonged because as we've talked about before, uh, Ian Clark, the goalie coach of the Vancouver Canucks, has a pretty firm policy on white outer rolls for his goalies, goaltender equipment. So that cost us seeing a McLean tribute set, but I thought Demko and the boys at Brian's did a real nice job of, of making that one pop with the uniform. So having white on the outer roll and the word Vancouver down the outer roll and then the, the black, the orange and the, and, and the red 
inset within the pad a bit. Shortest goalie I, I in the like NHL the, uh, looks fine just, without white on his outer roll. <laughs> it doesn't make you look that small, nodding, does it, Juicy? Uh, with a with a solid opinion. Yes, Wick. Here's here's one for the short guys again. Anyway, I just I think uh, the, I think uh, you were right about Juicy. It looked fantastic on him, and uh, he doesn't have a white outer roll, does he, Woody? He doesn't. As a matter of fact, yellow is the color that the human eye is able to pick up fastest. Evidently, remember, yeah, of course, that. that was that was the story. That was the uh, that was Flurry, right? This is where this all started. Mark Andre Flurry and his yellow pads in Pittsburgh, and an optometrist from Ottawa pointing out that in terms of identifying. Where the pad ends and the rest of the net begins, yellow is the color the human eye identifies the quickest, and that's what led him to change and probably sparked a whole bunch of this conversation about what looks bigger. So, um, we make we can be mad at Ian Clark. I think we should just blame the optometrist in Ottawa. It's a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 fine with that. Let's let's go down that path. Uh, one other story that uh, made the rounds this week is Robin Leonard discussing his uh, struggles in the shootout and was uh, going to Twitter and asked for advice. And I thought it was really, really fun and a great way to acknowledge what uh, what was a uh, uh, disappointing performance uh, for himself. And, and obviously, there's, uh, there's a bit of a track record there. But it got me thinking, why don't or how much do you think teams do consider switching a goaltender in the shootout? Uh, Hutch, I... do you think it would be a big, big, news uh day if if they if somebody did it well it's been done and it and it certainly was was wasn't it the leafs did that a number of years ago um probably i'm not remembering the game it happened but uh it has been done and uh and we saw it also about a week and a half ago when the whl played uh the russians in the the junior series and the russians actually switched goaltenders in the middle of the shootout not just for the shootout which I didn't think you could do, but yeah, yeah, without well, injury. Yeah, live and learn. Live and learn, Darren. You got to learn something new every day. Um, I mean, I think the obvious reason is that you've been sitting on the bench cold for a couple of hours, and who says you're ready to go and face the shootout? Um, but I'm a little surprised it hasn't been tried more, um, except that I just wonder what you do to your starting goaltender psyche if you decide that, yeah, you're not really ready for this part of the game. Well, in Laner's Laner's case, he kind of he's he didn't quite ask for it, but he said he'd be okay with it. And <laughs> yeah, he I, did. Yeah. And I think we should point out too that he he wasn't upset, disappointed at his performance at all. It was more that he was upset that the focus was on the shootout after being so spectacular against a yeah. great team in the Dallas Stars. I think forty-one to forty-two through the end of overtime, and the frustration that the focus shifts to the performance in the shootout, which, as he quite rightly points out, isn't really the same as the hockey game. Um, Hutch, just to give you a little information on when it was been done, 2008, the Toronto Maple Leafs coach Ron Wilson tried the unorthodox move of switching goaltenders for the shootout, but Anaheim's Temu Solani and Corey Perry both scored on Curtis Joseph to give the Ducks a 3-2 victory. Joseph had taken over for starter Vesa Toscala, um, and I guess he had... There'd been a lot of practice time, and he had told them that uh, he would switch them in for one another if the game got to the shootout. So uh, kind of a similar thing. Joseph had been scored on on 28% of the penalty shots, and Toscola was 54%, which is roughly where Laner is right now. I think his save percentage is in the 42 range or something like that. So apologies to Robin if I'm a little low there. It's just remembering what I read on Twitter today. Um, But, I mean, yeah, it has been done. So not since 2008. 
So I had the team right. I was thinking Cujo, but I didn't have the guts to say it publicly. So I'm I'm, I'm glad you pulled that one up. What about the injury risk oh, too? Hold on, hold on, hold on. To say it's been done and chalk it up to uh, okay, it's been it's been done. Why doesn't it happen more? It's been done once. Once, yeah. Once. That's- Eleven years ago. Well, <laughs> you know, so many NHL coaches are progressive and have the courage to to make a move like that, right? I, I worry about injury, One. to be honest, though. If you come well, out then coming stretch, off cold. So you can and, start stretching uh, when it goes to overtime. Well, stretching. Get ready. Well, I'm sure we can get a lot of people like Afran and Maria to come in and say that a bit of static stretching on the bench isn't getting you ready for a shootout. So um, that would be my biggest worry. But well, if I, you want to get factual about it, then yeah, go ahead. But, but no, look, um, in, instead of just dissecting all this, I just have to say, as you alluded to, Darren, that uh, having Robin Lehner address it this way i just found great entertainment and we need more entertainment like this yeah he was awesome Uh, yeah i mean just opening it up to the fans instead of saying instead of trying to knock all the people that are are putting you down on twitter why not just open it up and say let's go folks and we'll have open source shootout technique and he wasn't saying get rid of it either no he said keep it keep it around i just i'm just not good at it which i was we're they just, they just got to take it one more step you know and just like like we've begun having these open tryouts for the emergency backup goalie we need to have this open session where various armchair coaches can come in and try and coach robin laner on the ice how to handle a shootout Ooh, just go Great johnny team. a lot of philosophies Great johnny team. bauer two pad stack flying poke check just skate right at the guy i'm waiting for that one can't wait if you switch the goaltender. So Hutch, you play a game and uh, and we go to a shootout and I go in for the shootout. Do I get the win? Oh. Uh, you probably take the loss, but I guess technically you'd get the win. Yes. <laughs> well said. Well, well said. Uh, I think technically I you would that. get the win. So there, well, Robin Leonard doesn't care. I'm thinking, uh, contract talks and and uh, arbitration all that kind of stuff uh comes up there's you you can you share a win if if you play the the game and the other guy goes in the shootout i don't think so would no, we ever you can no, share a shadow no, you, you can't you can't the shutout doesn't nobody gets credit for a shutout. look at poor adam werner he goes in what 31 yeah. seconds into the game the other night has a brilliant performance in his first nhl appearance does everything 41 saves against Winnipeg, but doesn't get credit for the shutout because Pavel Francus played the first 31 seconds of that game. So we're definitely not sharing wins if we're not, if we're not getting shutouts. So that's where it gets a little greasy. And I don't even blame the starting goaltender. If he's going to be, ta- if you go to a shootout 12 times and you play a lot and you're taken out of the game 12 times uh, for a shootout and that affects your, you, know, you don't get the loss. You know, That's guys, good. just gonna say the other guy's taking the shootout loss if he doesn't come through either. Uh, so, and I bet you, I bet you this: if if this actually became regular, the day would come that somebody would be a shootout specialist in net to sit on the bench and come in yeah. for that last last point. Now, I don't think value. Do, do you you don't get a loss in a shootout. The the goaltender doesn't get the loss. He gets a shootout loss. He gets the old third yeah, right. column. Yeah, it's not. Uh, so it's 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 not. Like really damning, but I tell you what, the win looks a hell of a lot better. There's no shootout win; it just goes down as a as a regular win. And there will be guys that, uh, especially number one goaltender, if you're taken out twelve times, uh, and those twelve, happen. nobody's oh, gonna have the courage to do it. Ruin the whole conversation. Come on, well, or really? who, or who is somebody listening? Come on, who's got the courage? Let's see it happen. 
Yeah. I'm 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 right there with you. Uh it's Ingwall Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. We have our Black Friday promotion coming up with uh, Source for Sports Surrey, and we'll touch on that in our gear segment in just a little bit. But our feature interview this week involves Mackenzie Skapsky. And what do you do the interview? So just set the scene for us as uh, as we dive into the career, a young career, a short career, and uh, and now the next stage of Mackenzie Skapsky. Well, I guess I just, it was an opportunity for us to talk to him uh, and in person, which are always, you know, better quality interviews when we get to sit down with the guy as opposed to getting him on the phone. And uh, because he had retired, because he had announced his retirement. And so that led some to some interest for me and in what he was doing next. He's a guy that I've covered a little bit because he did play some hockey locally, uh, wrote some features when he had his debut. I mean, he's got a 978 career save percentage in the National Hockey League. Those those first two performances as a 20-year-old in the NHL, um, they garnered attention. And I also knew the backstory, which was a horrendous, horrific bus crash at the age of 15 that almost derailed his career. Um, you know, they they had to drill a three-inch hole in his skull to alleviate the pressure after the bus crash. So he had survived a lot of things to get to that point. He was a great story. And so when I heard he was was hanging him up, I wanted to catch up and it was a great opportunity. And what I what I found like you, Darren, fascinating was the lessons that he learned in a very short career and how he's applying them to a new venture. He's, it's called Assertion Goaltending. It's along with Jeff Malcolm, who's a development coach with the New York Rangers. And um, you know, from the philosophies on the ice, technically and mechanically, you know, starting with the New York Rangers and Benoit Lair, um, to more the lessons of how we learn and how we improve and the type of mentorship and coaching that best facilitates that in a season. A lot of the things that came up from the conversation about his career, I thought just had really good takeaway value. And so uh, we were happy to just keep talking. And so it's a long one, but I hope everybody enjoys it because I think there are some really valuable lessons in there for goalies of every age and every experience moving up from, you know, he's been there right through Western Hockey League and, and into the minor pros to the NHL quickly and then back down to the minor leagues and done at the age of 25. There are a lot of lessons in that short career. The older brother of Marshall and Mitch, Mackenzie Skapsky, grew up in the East Coast and on the West Coast. So coast to coast with a stop on the bright lights of Broadway, uh, New York. Mackenzie Skapsky didn't play a long time, but boy, he has the opportunity to say he was perfect in one National Hockey League game. Here's the feature interview. Mackenzie Skapsky on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Mackenzie Skapsky in person because he's back here in the lower mainland where he's from um, doing some goalie coaching now, assertion goaltending, a new company that he started uh, that we're going to talk about and get sort of get everyone caught up on what it's all about because I, I like the concept. It's really unique and I think goalies are going to like the approach they're taking. But I think we got to start with the fact you're home back, back where it all started. You announced your retirement this week. What... Uh, Walk us through the decision. I know health and your hip played a role in it. And just like how emotional was that to, to, to make that decision this week? Yeah, uh, you, you don't plan for these kind of things. Um, they just sort of come at you. Um, so yeah, definitely it was a combination of things. Um, my, my health being one of them, um, as time went on, uh, things got more painful and, and uh, my desire started to dwindle a little bit. Um, 
that combined with um, nothing really coming across um, my table this year that um, really gave me a lot of motivation to move forward. Um, and that also combined with uh, what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm really excited with what I'm doing now. And um, yeah, obviously the, the, the retirement announcement this, this week was, uh, was big. And, and I, didn't, I didn't realize until I was actually writing right in the Instagram uh, post and uh, when you're going through the photos and, and seeing yourself in just different moments, good, bad, and evaluating the entire um, 15, 20 years or whatever, how long my career was. And, uh, and it, yeah, it's just emotional at the time, but uh, obviously excited for new beginnings. Now, you said it wasn't a lot coming across your chest, but you had a heck of a year last year playing over in Slovakia. I'm looking at like a 928 save percentage. You did have some opportunities to go keep playing in Europe. You talk about that. It was the hip injury in 2015. I think you had hip surgery. Yeah. Was that something that just, was it never a hundred percent or was it just like, was goaltending always more work after that or, or more of a battle physically after that? Walk me through what that was like. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's that kind of surgery is, is hit and miss with a lot of goalies. Um, for me, as time went on, uh, it was trial and error and it just got to a point where, um, it wasn't improving. It was getting worse. And, um, you know, I, I had a successful season last year. Um, but there's a lot of factors that go into that, that, um, I had to battle through and, and eventually the battle just became, uh, pretty significant. And, and that's, that's what led me to today. It's funny because I, I, when we were talking about it earlier in the week, um, before we recorded this, I think I'm guilty sometimes, to be honest with you, because it that that hip surgery had become, you know, for some kids, it's like a boutique surgery. They're having it 12, 13, widens their butterfly. I think I've even referred to it as a lube job for goalies' hips. We've seen guys successfully come back. And now, you know, Eddie Lack going through it for the second time and then taking a year off, you know, considering retirement as well. I think Sometimes I'm guilty of thinking it is the same for everyone and it is an automatic magical repair and it's not necessarily the case. There is a battle that goes on after that in terms of managing your health and managing your pain. Yeah, for sure. Not just, uh, not just pain. I mean, the whole emotional side of it, mental side of it, um, when you're not physically there and um, in my case, um, being sent down from, from New York where I finished off the year before and uh, starting in Hartford and then um, having a limited amount of time in Hartford and going to the East Coast Hockey League, um, the mental side starts to creep in and, and you don't believe in your physical side. And um, it's a compound interest from that point and uh, it spirals in the wrong direction. Um, so with an injury, it's, 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 it's more than just physical. Um, it's, it's truly mental and, and um, that, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what's led me to today. It's a, it's a factor in it. Um, and, uh, it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Now, okay. Let's tell uh, this is all where I started on dark stuff, Injury, <laughs> injuries and career. Let's where did, where did it all start for you? So originally from Abbotsford, how did you get into goaltending? Who was your guy growing up? What, what put you in between the pipes for the first time? We have so many answers. Usually it's gear or a bigger brother or a role model. how how did you end up being a goalie? Uh, for, for me, it was gear for sure. Um, Excellent. I was a gear nerd. I like this. <laughs> I, I loved, uh, Cujo. I would always stay up. Uh, I, I lived in Halifax. I have two other brothers. Um, so we were a big hockey family. Uh, we'd always stay up for hockey night in Canada, watch, um, watch the Toronto Maple Leafs out East. And then we wouldn't be able to catch the out West game just because it was so late. 
Um, but Cujo, Cujo was my guy. I love the, love the Bauer pads. Um, the whole setup and, and the mask just tied so well together. So I guess I would be a, a, a hidden Toronto Maple Leafs fan as well with, with the Cujo. Okay, so I only know you from here in the lower mainland Vancouver area, and I see like the born in Abbotsford, but you you grew up back east. I, I was born in Abbotsford, uh, spent spent a few years here with my family, and then um, my dad was transferred over to um, back east, and and we grew up there. I spent my Timbits hockey career over in uh, in Halifax. Actually, I think Crosby was uh, in Peewee at the time, and uh, I think he was playing with the Midgets, so he he was a big deal over there. Um, Obviously, I, I didn't know what was going on at that age, but uh, grew up out east and then uh, moved back to Abbotsford um, to eventually move uh, out to Calgary. Played some minor hockey out there, Adam, um, Adam Hockey, and then moved back to Abbotsford. And uh, yeah, that's where, that's where hockey got serious for me is in, is in Abbotsford. And, and I have a good, good group of friends, a lot of people that I, I grew up with that have had success in the game now. Um, and obviously, uh, just growing up with my family, it, it was just, uh, embedded into us, the, the passion and, and, uh, it was really cool. Okay. So now you got to walk, you mentioned the family a couple of times you mentioned, but like you have it, you like, you have the ultimate hockey family. I don't know. I'll, okay. We're not, are we talking like stall level? Like how many different Skapskis are playing the game at a high level? Um, well, yeah, I have two brothers We're we all have a two age, uh, or a two year age gap between us. So, um, all three of my brothers were, or including myself, were drafted in the Western Hockey League. Um, my second brother played in the Western Hockey League. Uh, third brother played BCHL. Uh, they're now both at uh, CIS and um, going to school. And um, yeah, I mean, we were always in competition with each other for making AAA teams in, in the Abbotsford Association. Um, obviously, a pretty recognized family in, in the Abbotsford area. Uh, we were we were a pretty big hockey family growing up, and and uh, yeah, we're in that community. Are you sure. are you the oldest brother? Yes. Okay. Okay. So it wasn't one of those cases. You wouldn't believe how many guys in the NHL goalies. When you ask them how they got started, if it's not gear or some type of you know loving the gear, the other most common answer is I got stuck in net for my older brothers. Like in order to hang out with big brother, they threw me in net. You just fell in love with the gear. Like, at what age did you start? Like, did you ever, did you play out for a while? What age did goaltending, you said coming back to Abbotsford, what age was that where goaltending became your thing um, and something that you started to think about as something you might do beyond playing peewee hockey? Um, I, I wasn't allowed to play goalie initially. Um, Smart and, parents? Yes. My, yeah, my, my, my dad was very reluctant to, to put me in net. Um, in Adam, uh, in Calgary, there was actually an option where, um, if you made the AAA team as, as the goalie, you could go back through the tryout process and, and make it as a player. Um, so I, I was the returning goalie my second year, Adam, for the AAA team. So I went through the process of, of, of making it as a player and ended up making it as a player as well for the Adam AAA team. So every, every, uh, game where I didn't play, I was, I was a player. And, uh, as the season went on, I, I became a better goalie and, and my, uh, my habits as a player would dwindle and I just became a liability. So I think from that point on, uh, my dad realized that, you know, he's a better goalie than he is a player and he really likes this. So we're going to push forward with this. But uh, I, I was given every sort of treatment to, to be convinced out of the position. Uh, I remember being down in my basement 
with those hard orange balls. Oh, those hurt. Yeah, those those were bad. And uh, with with my player uh, player chess piece on, and, and my dad would just rip them at me and, and try and convince me out of the position, but uh, it never worked. So playing out, did it help? Because we've talked to guys, Braden Holpe especially, like he insists he's not where he is in the NHL if he didn't also play out. I think his dad made him play out till 13. His dad played in the Western League as a goalie and just insisted that you be out there learning how to read the game and skate and move and not just be a goalie at too young an age. To hear you say that you made that team, AAA team, as, as both a goalie and a player, looking back, do you think there's a benefit there? Yeah, big time. Um, one of my biggest attributes growing up was always being the, the fast kid in net, um, being very athletic, um, known for my speed. And that, that would definitely be attributed to, um, me playing out. So, um, there's, there's definitely a lot of benefit. I don't think you see it as much now. Um, you you have to decipher what you're doing now, um, pretty quickly, but that, that back then was, was huge. Well, that's what we, we've kind of wondered it out loud. I mean, I get it at higher levels, but it kills me sometimes, especially at the younger ages to have friends whose kids are playing goal and to hear that every second game, they just sit there and watch for 60 minutes when they're probably capable of, you know, going out and taking a twirl as a defenseman or as a forward and, you know, knowing what we we believe the value of that to be just to to not allow that opportunity anymore. Anyways, that's a personal pet peeve of mine. I understand it's a little, little harder to do these days, but, you know, interesting to hear that you got to. Um, Western Hockey League, uh, you played with the Kootenai Ice. That experience, at what point did you start to think, hey, like this is, this is something I could do here. This is something that I might be able to do as a profession. Uh, I, was, I was always a hockey nut growing up. Um, studied the game, was just, a, yeah, like I said, a huge student of the game. Understood what was going on all the time. Um, and that, that translated into my play. Um, uh, so it became it became evident over time that I was I was a top goalie in the association and and that led to success and being drafted in the Western Hockey League Bantam draft um and then ultimately ending off in in, in Kootenai where um I had I had a phenomenal career at such a such a great organization they emphasized winning um I had I had a good coach there who's currently um working for Vegas right now, Ryan McGill, uh, good general manager who's currently in, in Calgary, uh, Jeff Chenouth and, uh, excellent teammates. And, and we just had, we had a good, good situation there. Now, before that you were involved in a bus accident. Um, and you know, I remember one of the first times I think we talked was after your first win. And actually I think I talked to your dad about the emotions of your first NHL win and your mom saying the only other time that he, she could remember him being that emotional was after the bus accident. This wasn't your run-in-the-mill, just fender-bender. This was career-threatening, life-threatening. To have overcome everything, first walk us through it, if you're comfortable with it, what that experience was like, how much it set you back, and, and what you take away from having overcome that to get to, get to where you did in the National Hockey League. And I think I forgot to mention, like, this should have been off the top. And, and I, like, you retire with a 978 career save percentage in the National Hockey League, a shutout, and two wins and two starts. So to go from that bus accident to that, that that's not, those are, those are historically good numbers. You might have liked the sample size to be a little bigger, I'm guessing. But still, yeah. those are some pretty damn impressive numbers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
I mean, that that was when I was 15. So that was right after I was drafted in the Western Hockey League draft. Um, just, just another road trip. Just another midget road trip. Uh, we went up north. Um, and then by Williams Lake, we were driving on a, a highway that was, that was shut off. And, and we had no idea. And uh, one thing led to another. And, and we started sliding. And, and I think our back end went forward. And, and we started to um, barrel roll down an embankment. And then at the end of it, um, I was rushed to Williams Lake Hospital. Um, obviously, some facial facial surgery and, and some head surgery. Um, and that, that sent me back, uh, and that lost, that lost a year of my hockey in midget. And, um, cause of that bus accident, I, I think it was a big player in, in me not making my Western hockey league team as a 16 year old. Uh, I didn't have game experience. Um, that's what, that's what my club was looking for. So it pushed me back in, in, in regards to that. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to play at 16 years old. And then that might be a blessing in disguise in ways. Um, played junior B my uh, 16 year old year, difficult year, um, adjusting to older guys, me being a younger guy in the room, first junior experience, et cetera. And then from there playing uh, limited ice my next year in Kootenay at 17. And then after that, it, it just kind of took off. I, I, I think I played 65 of 72 the next year. And uh, pretty close to sixty of seventy-two the following year, and then I was I was off in New York. So um, to think of where I came from, where I was fifteen years old, and then to to have the success in the National Hockey League at twenty was uh, that's a pretty uh, tight time window. I was going to say, and, and and I mean surgery. Oh, I, I think I think your dad told me I think they had to cut a three-inch gap in your skull at one point to perform some emergency surgery. It had a vein that ruptured. Like this was pretty touch-and-go stuff. By the time you came back, you were tw- you'd lost twenty pounds. You'd lost all that time. Like this was a pretty big hurdle to overcome for a fifteen-year-old. Do you, like you said, all the all the things in terms of where it put you back and how that may have helped you in different ways? But what about just mentally being able to overcome? the emotions of that, the disappointment of that, all those sort of elements, do you think they hardened you for what was ahead in a life in pro hockey in any way? They prepared you in any way? I mean, not that life and death can ever be compared to pro hockey, but there's probably times in pro hockey where situations some people feel like are life and death. You know, you can maybe put it in perspective. I think it, uh, from that moment, I, it really um, emphasized my, my passion for the game because everything was done for hockey at that age. I didn't really realize the significance of the entire situation. I put that on the back burner. So that was more you when so when I have having written about it, that's more your parents. That's coming from the parent perspective, them recognizing how serious it was, probably more so than you living it. For sure. I, I would go through uh small experiences that I look back on. Um just being frustrated I couldn't play, frustrated uh in school when I couldn't study for exams just because the concussion came along with that that uh that bus accident small things like that but nothing uh nothing my parents went through where it really hit me was is is recently where the humble broncos got in that that bus accident i just from that situation i i really realized how lucky i was um and i i underplayed the the situation and i I, it just yeah that really hit me so that's when it that kicked in for me understandably so you're drafted in 2013 by the new york rangers sixth round did you, were you at the draft or did you go to the draft? What was your draft experience? 
Um, no, I didn't go to the draft. Um, did you expect to get drafted that year or was it, a, was it, t- was it, I mean, in goalies these days, right? You never know. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was never drafted my first year as a 17 year old. I was drafted the following year. I had, I had an, um, inclination that I might be, might be drafted, might be selected. That being said, I didn't show up two weeks before that. I was at hockey Canada's, uh, excellence camp and, um, yeah, I was I was at home with my family, a few friends, and uh, a long day. <laughs> I I, th- I was called in the sixth round, so sat there for a long time waiting for my name. But um, I'm so fortunate. I went to uh, just an awesome organization, original six team, New York Rangers. It was just uh, it was a blessing in disguise. First experience. Did you go to development camp that year? What was your first experience as a Ranger with the Rangers? When did Benny Allaire come into your life as a goalie coach? What was what was that? Walk us through your memories of that experience after being drafted in 2013. I yeah, I think that year was just a total blur because things happen so quickly. You're drafted and you're off to development camp the next day. So I was drafted. Um, I received a call from Jeff Gorton um, and the assistant general managers. Um, saying you're on a flight tomorrow to, to development camp and, and I'm with all these uh, prospects in New York. And, and um, there was a lot that went on that week to really soak in uh, the likes of the Benny and, and the rest of the organization. Uh, the next year is, is really where he became a, a key role in, in my development. I think that next year I left to go to New York and, and he was really in my ear and, and, and got me, got me figured out and helped me get to where, uh, I could find success. Yeah. And that, of course that next year is 2014, 15, you yes. ended up actually making your NHL debut. And as I said, two wins, um, one shutout, 978 save percentage. Like that's a pretty big whirlwind first year pro some time in the coast, some time in the a predominantly in the a 28 games in the American hockey league, 914 save percentage, some good success there. Two-parter. Let's start with Benny. What was that experience like? What were your like primary takeaways in terms of adjustments you had to make in your game, alterations you had to make in your game, things that you'd maybe heard from him that you'd never heard before, and then that transition up so fast and being in the National Hockey League. So start with start with Benny. Um, I I, I sort of felt like he was uh, Chris Angel in a way. He's just like had all these magic tricks up his sleeve and and and. Um, it just got me to the point where I could see results quickly. Um, I, I started in the coast that year, played one game, um, got called up to Hartford uh, just for a weekend emergency stint. Uh, ended up getting a shutout, stuck around, uh, ended up taking over the American Hockey League starting role. Um, had a very good season that year. And then, uh, you know, I get the opportunity in the NHL and my first game I get scored on 14 seconds in, but then... Um, finish off with two games, two wins, a shutout. And, uh, I guess it's like just about 120 minutes of, uh, of, of shutout time. So, uh, a lot of that is, is, um, definitely goes to, to Benny and getting me to that point, a 20 year old kid, six round pick, um, just, just establishing, a, a, a foundation for me that I could access at any point. That's that's where I think he separates himself for from a lot from a lot of goalie coaches. Okay, so we're going to get into that into your your role now with assertion goaltending. I think a lot of the principles are going to come into play with what you want to teach other goaltenders. The principles that you learn there, but take me back to that day because you're right. I forgot about the 14 seconds. You gave up 
one goal in two National Hockey League games, and it came 14 seconds in. So rewind before the goal, because I want to know how you reacted to that, if you remember what that process was like mentally. But what about the whole day? Like being being 20, being in the NHL, getting this start. Um, how long had you been up before you got the start? And and you were playing, I'm guessing, was it Talbs? Was Talbot your playing partner at the time? Because yeah. Hank was out. Yeah. So what was that whole experience like, your first call-up? When we... Was your welcome to the NHL moment that goal, or did you have it in practice, or even just being around the team? They they were actually very supportive and let me let me fit in uh, initially, which I really really respect when I look back on it. Um, you see guys get called up now from the American Hockey League and jump into an NHL game, and it's it's a totally different animal, different animal. In, in what regards? In the sense that like there is an extra element to speed. Uh, there is an extra element to passes passes going quicker. Uh, the crowd, the crowd, um, everything's just hyped up, and and these are these are players that you grow up watching. Um, so there's that element of of fear uh, with with guys coming down on you that that you know are good hockey players. So all of that combined is just it just makes it a completely different beast. So they they gave me the time to to settle into my own. Where I was I was around guys that year. Uh, we were President's Trophy team. Guys like Rick Nash, Rick Nash had an unbelievable year that year. Ryan McDonough, uh, all these guys that, <laughs> I mean, guys you watched on TV. Yeah, I forget to mention Lundquist, and all these guys are just there, and um, um, they they just brought me in and and just had awesome support for me. Uh, I can't say enough about them. Yeah, that combined with uh, with uh, just giving me some time to adjust to the NHL level. Um, that's what really got me ready for my game. We played in Washington the night before. So as we were um, getting on the plane, uh, Benny came up to me and said, hey, you're, you're playing tomorrow. And we were on our way to Buffalo. And uh, so the entire flight, I'm, I'm thinking about, whoa, what goes on here? Do I get my parents in town? Um, I got to get ready for a game. <laughs> There's so many things to, to think about. And um, I already had the confidence of already having pretty good numbers up to that point, having success in the American League. But obviously, when you get that call, it's it's pretty nerve wracking. So, didn't really sleep uh, in pregame nap, which I I usually do. And then went about things, went to the rink. Um, guys were super supportive at the rink. I mean, Marty St. Louis came up to me before the game, told me how fortunate I am to be a twenty year old goalie and have this opportunity. He's super excited for me. Don't be nervous. This is this is just awesome. Which was just it was great to hear. And then defensemen coming up to me just saying, hey, don't worry about a thing. We'll take care of everything. And uh, as, we, as we went into the game, that, that was the message I got. And, and actually 14 seconds in, two of my defensemen ran into each other and the puck was turned over and, and passed back door to Matt Molson for a tap-in goal on the road. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't deserve to be here. That actually go through your head? 14 seconds into your first NHL start? Was that like... Did yeah, your mind go there. Yeah, I, I, my first my first instinct was to look over the bench and and just think, am am I supposed to be here? Um, wow. And it ended up turning out that um, you know I got I got a breakaway. I think three minutes later from Tyler Ennis, uh, I stopped that and I said, hey, and there's a guy who's got some dangle. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I, I I was tested on the road. Uh, it was it was a good it was a good test. Uh, I had a had a few situations where I had to come up big, and uh, that propelled me into finishing that game, and we won three one. And then, uh, yeah, my next game was just 
all around really good game. Um, shout out and and just yeah, I couldn't have uh, scripted it any better. So you was it the breakaway that brought you back? Like we hear we've heard heard that before. Guys will be and it's not like you were struggling. You just were trying to deal with all the emotion and thoughts that come with your first NHL game. But we've heard guys where they'll be not having a great game or sometimes even having a slump over games. And all of a sudden we hear that one save, like one save that just sort of builds your confidence. Like, have you experienced that in your career at other points? Was that kind of how you saw that Ennis save? Like, Hey, I do belong. I made that stop and everything builds from there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the, the most important thing was getting uh, the next touch on a puck. So obviously there's some, there's some touches in between then, but there's saves like that, that I've, I've had throughout my career where, um, there's a very hostile crowd and you have to come up with a big save just to, to, to weather the storm. Um, and, and I guess if I look back on it, that that's definitely one save that weathered the storm. Uh, Buffalo kind of woke up a little bit. They were up one, nothing against the president's team. Yeah. That, that, that was sort of a a confidence builder for me. Now that summer, I mean, you come off all those highs of, of your first pro season, your first two NHL starts, your first two wins, your first shutout, everything is rolling at 20 that's the summer you end up having hip surgery, if I'm not mistaken. How tough was that? Very tough. I, I, I walked into that season sort of knowing that that might be the case just because I played so many games in junior. Um, I had a lot, of, uh, a lot of miles under me at that point. But to see where I finished off and the amount of success I, I had, uh, I felt like I was in a, a position to, to capture the backup role, for sure, at least be in contention for it the following year. So uh, when that happened, it was difficult, but I, I, didn't, I didn't put too much significance onto it. Uh, I thought it was going to come back completely normal. Um, that summer, went to the NHLPA showcase, had a lot of good positive things that happened. Um, got back in middle November, uh, played five games in Hartford, and then went right to the East Coast Hockey League. That was a big... Uh, big moment in my career because the belief was the more games I got, the better off I was going to be. And, um, that's not always true. And when, when your mindset isn't there, um, coming off a 20 year old season where you finish off in the NHL and, and then the following year playing on the worst place team in the East coast hockey league, that's two polar opposites. So I, I, I didn't have a very good attitude that year. Uh, I'm the first one to say it. I, I thought I should have been somewhere else. It's funny, we had Steve Valiquet on just last week, obviously Rangers ties, and that was his first pro experience. Expectations that at, at the worst he'd be in the AHL, he ended up in the coast, and like he said, he'd be admitted at the time, he thought he, he shouldn't be there. He thought he was, as I think he had a coach tell him, you, you thought you were better than this league, and he ended up sitting and watching for a while. So it's, mindset matters, eh? Uh, big time, and this, this is what we... Uh... This is what I'm so excited for is, is, is I'm trying to bring this back to, to teaching and, and keeping guys on the right track. And, and this was a learning experience that I, I learned. And, and that year was, uh, I guess you could say, in a sense, a, a waste of a year. Um, I was getting a lot of games, didn't have the right mindset. It, was, it, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't a positive outcome. That being said, I learned a lot from that couple more years in the Rangers system and then you, you finished up over in Slovakia last year. Um, talk about those, those couple of years, where you, how your game evolved, things you might do different, positive experiences, and then the decision to go overseas last year. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start with just finishing off with the, 
the Rangers organization. Um, very, very happy to go through my three years there. Uh, played one year in Orlando, which was great. Um, that was sort of the year where I took a step back and, and started to uh, understand my game, which was a big turning point in my entire career. That's 2017, 18 with Orlando? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and what led to that? Was that a personal introspection? Was there a goalie coach involved, a different voice? Because we see that as you get different voices over the years, sometimes I, I had somebody ask me recently uh, about a goalie coach and, and the importance of a good goalie coach. And one of the answers I said, there's no absolute. So even the best goalie coach might not always click with every goaltender. Like, so everybody sort of seems to find those voices at different points and from different people. I think I think as an athlete, you're just super passionate about things, and you start to look outside of the box on how things can uh, be implemented into your game. I found something where I had uh, someone in my corner that was clipping my games, getting a better understanding of my game, just somebody I could soundboard thoughts off of to to feel like I'm getting better as a goalie. And the results weren't necessarily there that year, but they they carried over into the following year. Um, in Slovakia and, and I had a, a really good year there and that's where um, a lot of my teachings that I, I learned and my guidance where I could understand my game kicked in and um, I'm, I'm just really happy I could finish off and have an outstanding year, capture some experience over in Europe. If anybody has a chance to go over to Europe uh, at the end of their career, I, I highly suggest it. I was one of those people that sort of was reluctant about it initially. And then it's turned into one of the best hockey experiences that I've had. Okay, hold on here. So you're telling me you had this breakthrough 27-18 in Orlando and then going into the last year in Slovakia. And this is when you, I mean, your words were finally understand my game. What, like, you'd work with it. You've been in the Rangers organization. You'd had great coaching. What changed that you finally got to understand your game four years, five years into your pro career? What what changed here? Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of goes hand in hand with what I'm doing right now. I I'm, I'm I found this breakthrough about two years ago after um, my success in the NHL and and through the Rangers organization. And uh, I wish I had it earlier. I went uh, the year I was in Orlando. I, I went to a goalie coach named Paul Fricker, and he he introduced this to me. And we did this for a half a season, found it super valuable, uh, and went back to my friend, Jeff Malcolm, who I'm actually partners with, and he did my year in Slovakia. And um, Paul, Paul laid that foundation for me, uh, and then Jeff, Jeff picked it up on the back end of things in Slovakia, and my results just compounded super quickly. I was able to completely understand my game when I had a bad game. I was able to go back to my system. And and just execute on a more consistent basis. Okay, now Paul Fricker, I, our listeners to the Ingle Radio podcast will recognize that name. When we had Tristan Jari on in the summer, he mentioned Paul, so a, a local guy here in the Vancouver area that works. But okay, you talk about this th- this thing that you discovered, and you mentioned sort of clip analysis and video earlier. This isn't a change in your mechanics. This isn't a technical change. This is just the way you looked at your game, the video work you did. Walk walk. Walk me through this, how you did it, what made it different, and how it paid off for you. And I guess in doing so, you're going to tell us how it's going to pay off for people that work with you in assertion goaltending. Yeah, I got to a point where um, I had access to a, a lot of 
of the best goalie coaches across um, across the world. Um, I, I went to the uh, Excellence Camp for Hockey Canada. A lot of high-end goalie coaches that go there. Um, Net 360 Camp in Kelowna. A lot of high-end goalie coaches there. And I felt like I was getting good material, but couldn't um, couldn't necessarily apply it on a, a daily basis and have an execution plan. When when I when I came to Paul, uh, he was able to um, identify what what made me successful. I I would be able to uh, see myself. I'd be able to uh, feel what I was doing, uh, experience it, and then. Uh, Paul would be there. Paul and Jeff would be there to to reinforce what I was doing, and um, that's how I started laying my foundation and building on it. Okay, so what's that like when you talk about them being there? What's the video review like? Is the video an important part of this? Because again, obviously there's mechanical and technical elements, but by the sounds of it, it's more like you've had all these tools in the toolbox. We like them. Everybody gets all these tools and you got to pick the ones that fit. It sounds like the use of video was a lot, allowed you to reinforce what tools were key to you, what that foundation was. How did that, how did that work and what, how was that different from everything you'd done to that point? You know what? There's, there's a lot of valuable information out there that can be applied, but this, this system with video and, and seeing myself and, and doing it on a weekly basis throughout the season really reinforced the, uh, the elements that, that made me successful. And th- just by seeing my video, I started to believe it more. And it became uh, a mindset where I saw myself, I felt it, I could apply it in practice, I would experience it in games. And whether or not it was a good result, I would know I was building on my foundation. So that's where my breakthrough really came. Okay, so this breakthrough using video. Walk our listeners through what this looks like on, for example, some from, from a week-to-week basis. Um, what do these video review sessions look like? Because I'm guessing this is what it's going to look like with assertion goaltending. This is part of the plan moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So typically, uh, if we rewind to last year, I would play on a, um, a Friday and a Sunday. Um, my coaches, I guess this would be Jeff at the time, uh, would go in and and clip my video, break down 15 to 20 clips, um, just a mix, a variety of things, things I was executing on, things I wasn't executing on. And then we would organize a time on, on Monday or, or Tuesday to talk, whatever fit best for both of us. And we would go over the game. We'd watch it together, just soundboard things back and forth. Uh, how I was feeling approaching the game, uh, how I was feeling during the game, how I was feeling in certain situations during the game, seeing myself executing and uh, seeing myself not executing, um, making adjustments to that, and then ultimately at the end of the phone call, coming up with things I needed to work on throughout that week in build up to my next weekend's games. Um, so we'd come up with uh, one or two or three things. Um, some weeks they'd be the same. Other weeks they'd be completely different. They'd be customized week to week. Can you give me an example? Because I mean, you're talking to goalies, so. You know, there's probably a lot of parents and young goalies that are listening to this and going, okay, like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm interested in this. Like, walk me through an example of something you identified in a game, good or bad, that you then went back to and made sure you focused on that week in practice, if you can remember. Um, this, this sort of re- relates back to the mechanics. Um, if I was uh, behind the play, 
if I was behind the play, that was a big one. A lot of my success came from uh, being ahead of the play and then uh, led into other things like being patient on pucks and, and, and moving into pucks, getting better body access to it. So yeah, I mean, like I said, like every game was different. So it's, it's, it was a different approach every single week. It was, it wasn't just the same thing. And, and throughout the season, I would be able to build on those three things and become a better goalie on a week to week basis. And I found that this, this, this helped me eliminate, um, if I were to give a number to it, I, I would probably say it helped me eliminate five bad games. So if, if I were in a slump of two games and, uh, typically before this, this teaching, I would typically be confused. I wouldn't know where to start. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Do I need to adjust anything? And this type of coaching fixed that. I, um, I was able to um, stay status quo and know what I was good at. And eventually, um, I would have a good game because I would just trust what I was doing. And I had a coach there that would reinforce it. The things that were the best parts of your game, the things that were your foundation, it just seeing it on video just allowed you to sort of buy into it more consistently, get back to it easier. Is that that kind of makes sense? Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, I would I would believe it. Um, I would slow get, slow down games and become in complete control, and I would see that on video. When you see that, and you see you're slowing down a game, that's when you feel like you can take advantage of every single situation. And regardless of outcome, um, depending on if, how, how your team comes to play or, or if you're off or whatever, um, there's always a system to revert back to. You see yourself on video, you make adjustments, and you execute on the next week. And it's a system that just keeps rolling throughout the season and at the end of the season, it's, uh, it was a proof of concept for me. And I, I 100% believe in it. And I, I definitely felt the results. Why, did, why does video work? Like you, you know, a lot, of, it sounds like a lot of this is like, obviously there's a mechanic, there's, you, you talked about mechanics, obviously there's a technical principle here and you've, you've got a background working with some of the best goalie coaches. Ben Waller, one of the greatest goalie coaches in the league that ties into some of those things. But the video and the review and the reinforcement seems to be a bigger part of this. What in your experiences allowed, like why, what is it about doing it on video and going through those clips with another coach that made it work for you? That, that makes you think it's going to be, you know, a breakthrough, not just for you and your career, but as a coach and for the kids you work with, what, what changes when, it, when you see it? It's, it's tough to really single out that one thing. And, and I talk about it in Assertion, uh, the company that I've, I've just started, but there's, there's, a, there's a component of uh, intention that's involved. There's a component of mechanics that's involved. And then there's a component of uh, soundboarding off of a neutral source that is um, interested in, in your well-being. As a goalie, um, anything that arises, um, if you're frustrated with teammates, if you're frustrated with how the, the season's going or a certain game, it's somebody to talk to before you go into video and start getting to work and seeing yourself. And then from that point, 
you create an execution plan based on the video under a clear mindset. That's not something... Um, I was going to say, that sounds like having an NHL goalie coach in your back pocket. Sort of. There's elements to it. Uh, that being said, it's, it's, it's completely different. In what regard? Typically, I found when, when I was going over video analysis, video, video clipping is uh, pretty common once you, once you get to pro. Right. Um, you would, you'd go over video clips and myself, I would take a lot of the stuff on the chin. I need to do this better. I need to do this better. And, oh, that's my fault. And you would just, you wouldn't even express how you were feeling walking into that game. You wouldn't express how you're feeling in that certain situation. You didn't want to show any sign of weakness because that goalie coach has a tie to the organization. And that was my mindset walking into it. And when I looked outside of the organization for that help, I felt like I could really open up mentally, talk about what was bothering me, what was really working for me. And from that point, that was the first step into actually being able to identify my video because I had a clear mind and I was ready to learn. That layer of honesty that you can have with, I guess in this case, now you're the coach in this model, working with a kid versus working with someone in the organization where, yeah, I can see that actually. It's funny because I always sort of thought of this as this is kind of like an NHL goalie coaching model, but in some ways it removes sort of that layer of guardedness you would have as a goalie where you can't be completely honest with the guy. You can't say that, hey, I just felt like crap because this is going on with my life because that's considered a weakness. This this is almost purer than that. T- totally. And we, we so found... Let me, ask, just before, let me ask you. So in those meetings with other goalie coaches as a pro, did those types of things, like did that, not a, did that make it that much harder, it seems, like you said, to sort of just honestly evaluate your own video because your mind's on all these other things that you can't really share. Totally. And this is, <laughs> there's so many things that come up that I would, I would like to share, but part of, part of growing up as a goalie is, is when I would step on the ice, I would try and impress every single person on the ice. I didn't really focus on what I was doing as a goalie to improve. All I was focused on was stopping the puck. And, um, that's a good thing, obviously. Uh, but I didn't understand the development behind what I was doing. And the same concept can be applied to an, an NHL goalie coach or a Western Hockey League goalie coach, where um, you have the feeling when you're going over video, at least I did, is I would want to impress them. I would want, if, if something went wrong, I would say, uh, that's not me. I'm better. I can do stuff better. Instead of actually sitting there and discussing what went wrong, what I was feeling, um, what I was feeling walking into the game, whatever happened previous to that week in practice that maybe led to that game, um, all of that wasn't accessible with the, the direct ties to an organization. And it is now. So, so, so the model you've created here, that where a lot of it is analysis-based and clip-based, we have the benefit of the video and you've experienced firsthand how that helps you. But it sounds like there's, there's a mental coaching element here, uh, a mentorship element here uh, as part of this model you've created along with Jeff Malcolm for assertion goaltending where you really are. It sounds like it's going to be a part-time counselor role as well as a, uh, as well as a goalie coach. Yeah, I, we, we found such a, um, 
such an opportunity to to work with up and coming aspiring goaltenders, um, getting to pro hockey. Ultimately, um, we feel like we can help with our our, our experience and, and guide people through tough situations. Jeff and I have both been through fantastic moments and uh, other moments that weren't so great. Um, we didn't have anybody uh, the majority of the career that would that would help us through that. We would we would battle through it on our own. Um, in this case, this is this is a very important aspect of goaltending is is having an athlete that you can talk to and get them back on track so it can be a productive week and it can translate into the games the following following week instead of it turning into a problem, um, having two or three bad games uh, leading to confusion and just not enjoying hockey. I'm fortunate to be with Jeff. Um, he he's gone the NCAA route. He's gone to the BC Hockey League. He understands that grind on a on a day to day schedule. He understands the pressures, the uh, ups and downs, uh, the travel schedule, the emotional swings. I know the Western Hockey League wrote just the same thing, the exact same thing, different animal. Um, jumping to pro at twenty years old, he's jumping to pro at uh, twenty five or twenty six. He's under an American Hockey League contract, battling it out. I'm under a National Hockey League contract, battling it out. We, he's played in the American League. I, he's played in the East Coast Hockey League. I played in the NHL, the American League, East Coast Hockey League. So I feel like we cover a lot of foundations on a day-to-day grind that we can relate to athletes to and have them trust us because we've been through that exact same process. And so do you, have you found that if, if kids are able to sort of free themselves of all those conversations, does the learning get better when you do sit down to, to do the video clips and go over the, the game and, and walk me through what you talk about. After you go over the clips, you develop a plan, like having that intention and practice for the following week. Because quite often these kids, there isn't a goalie coach on the ice in minor hockey. Um, they don't have someone there all the time. Do, do you think once they've sort of freed the mental side of things and had a chat, are they... You see better results in terms of being able to now focus, get back to focusing on what's going to help them as a goaltender from a week to week basis. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's just having that um, that aspect of it involved, and uh, that being your your goalie coach at the same time who's been through experiences uh, like the athlete would currently be going through. Um, there's a lot of relatable information there. Um, I think that game for me it. Um, it gained a lot of trust in what I was doing. So when we started to move into the, the, the clip analysis, I started to soak in a lot more. I started to really pay attention to myself. And then when we, we came up with our execution plan for the week, I was totally confident with what, it, what we were doing because we've gone over our video. I saw myself. I basically unleashed every mental barrier that was in the way. And now I could go out and simplify my game and work on what I need to work on and be completely confident walking into my next set of games. As opposed to just going out there and trying to stop the puck all week and then wondering why it might not happen once the game starts. Yeah, and crossing our fingers and hoping we have a good game. Why, what, what, why does video work so well, do you think? Like we've seen it in like other sports, other, are there examples that, that have sort of led you to recognizing the power of video do you think it changes anything in terms of development models of goaltending um right now we see kids just on the ice all the time do you think there can be almost more or less is more type if there's a little more video and a little less just out there playing 
or out there practicing without intent. Yeah, this this is this is going to come back to what I said earlier. I, I'm a, I'm a huge student of the game. Um, I love I love what goes on. I I really study things. Um, I love football. I love golf. Um, I look outside of the box at athletes um, and people at the top of their games. Guys like um, guys like Tom Brady. Guys like Tiger Woods. And you see guys operating at 40 years old or whatever Brady is. And you wonder, how, how is he this good? And, um, and Tiger Woods, same thing. Um, you know, battled through a lot of injuries. Had some uh, adversities he had to deal with in his career and, and comes back and wins a, wins a major. Just watching some, some videos on Tiger, Tiger said he does a, a lot of things outside of the range. And he's, he's had to adapt to a, a different way of learning. He's got, he's got a different lifestyle, he said. He's got kids now. He's, he, he can't be so zoned in on what he's doing on the course. And he's adapted and brought a lot of his teaching outside of the course. Um, so those are examples that I've felt in hockey just by doing this program. And I think it is... Um, in my opinion, I, I think it's a big, uh, big time potential learning curve in goaltending. And at a time when we talk a lot about wear and tear, is there, can, can it reduce the amount you need to be on the ice or not that it necessarily has to, but you know, can through intentional practice and sort of intentional sort of video work, do you think, you know, you talk about those guys, Brady doing his work in the video room, Woods doing his work in the video room and getting better without having to beat up his body at a time when we talk about hips and yourself having had hip surgery in 2015 and playing a role in, in, you know, retiring early. Do you think there's a, like, could we be looking at something that could sort of change development models moving forward? If this works the way it's worked for you? Oh, 100%. Like I was, I was one of those kids too, that had the belief that if I went on the ice, uh, more, um, and I had access to every single goalie coach, um, that I would gain knowledge and I would become a better goalie. And um, I, I did that. I went on the ice quite frequently, went to quite a few camps. And um, up until two years ago, that's, I, didn't, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a foundation. And I had access to a lot of valuable information. I think this, this right now is, is uh, very important because not a lot of people step back from the actual game. They just think go, go, go is the answer. And actually seeing yourself, having a better self-awareness of what you're doing, and then creating a proper intention to apply it to practice is important. So you're basically reinforcing through video what makes you good, identifying what makes you good, allowing goaltenders to identify what makes them good, and then reinforcing it allowing them to see it, allowing them to feel it when they're on the ice and then just keep getting them back to it as opposed to always chasing something new or just going out and doing a bunch of drills because it's different. Have you had, you've had some success with it? What's the early, early response with some of your students? Have you seen some, have you seen the results in others that you felt in that short order in those two years? Yeah, I've, I've, I have, um, a limited amount of clients right now. Um, that being said, the, the results that have happened um, in a short period of time are amazing. And um, these, these students that I have have been on the ice, I, I want to say pretty much every day of the week. Um, 
and they're still looking for something in development. How many kids do you talk to when you ask them about their game or what they're good at or what they need to improve on actually know? Yeah, the, 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 first, the first common questions I, I ask when I, um, when I interview a kid and, and, and try and find what he's, he's missing in his game is the first question I'll ask is, is where do you feel like you can gain some improvement in your game? And I find that um, a lot of athletes are, this is an easy question to answer because they've had access to, to people, they've been on the ice a lot, and uh, goalie coaches are telling them that they need to get better at this, 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 and this. And then when you turn the question around and ask what they're very confident with in their game, um, they typically don't have an answer. Which to me um, is concerning because that, that was what my foundation was built on this last year and having success um, is having an identity, knowing what I was good at. And I didn't have that. And um, I think that is the biggest gain is understanding what you're good at, reinforcing it through video, and then creating intention and practice. And it's a cycle that just compounds on top of each other. Perfect. I think we'll leave it. That's very well said. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a few more examples of this as, as we sort of continue this conversation at ingoalmag.com with some examples. Uh, Mackenzie, uh, congratulations. Like I said, I, it feels weird to say congratulations on retirement at 25, but I know how excited I can tell as you talk about this next step with the search and goaltending, I can see how excited you are. So I, I feel like I do need to see, say congratulations because I'm excited to see where this leads. It's a, it's a new concept and one that uh, I can see the value in quite easily. So congrats. Thanks. And thanks for coming on the Ingo Radio Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Two things jump out at me. One, he's in his mid-20s and he's retired. That's pretty cool. I, 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 know, I know he doesn't want to be retired in his mid-20s, but he's still retired. And that save percentage still makes me wonder. When you have, what is the save percentage number, Woody? 973, wasn't Nine, it? 978. 978. 978. save percentage in the National Hockey League. I don't care what happened. Uh, after he had played those couple of games, somebody did Mackenzie Skapsky a disservice not to put him back in the National Hockey League with a nine seven eight save percentage. Yeah, hey, listen, and the the fact, and I had forgotten about this until we started talking. Like he played two games; one was a shutout. Who gave up one goal yeah. in two games? The goal, as he said, and it was just great to hear like his honest reaction. I watched the game. 14 seconds in yeah. his NHL career, he's down one donut and he never gives up another goal. And what he said about like just his answer to that alone, admitting that like looking like, at the bench going, uh, I don't belong. <laughs> do I belong here? Like yeah. having those go through, you know, we talk about mental training. Like that's not what you got, want going through your mind. But I saw so his backdoor tap in no less. Yeah. 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 So With his defensemen running into each other. Yeah. Yeah. The demon. Hey, we got this. Don't worry, kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like everything but the clown car music playing as that one goes in. I looked at the bench on Friday mornings and there's not another goalie in the building and, and he, he's doing that. But how? 978. And he doesn't get another... Look, I just think that's in, well, in insanity. And, and don't forget, though, that, I mean, hip surgery the year after. Know, like that summer hip surgery. And you know, we talk about not wanting to be retired at 25. He did have some opportunities to go overseas th- this year. Uh, maybe not early in the summer, but as, as the year went on um, and considered them. But I think it was a combination of 
just, yeah, I think he's ready for this. And that's I kind of, I'm kind of excited. We're going to share a little bit more about assertion goaltending coming up here. Um, you know, I've seen the platform and seen some of the things they're doing. And yeah, I think he's onto something here. I know there's some other coaches that do this a little more behind the scenes and, and, and not as, as open and, you know, talking a lot about it in terms of being the platform of what they do. A lot of coaches offer video review services, but um, the way he came to this in the background, just like I, I'm kind of excited to follow along with it and you'll be able to follow along with us at inglemag.com. Okay. Can we do something with Mackenzie? And I'll just throw this at you. We each send in 25 minutes of our games and Mackenzie offers like a five minute breakdown in each of our games or a four minute breakdown in each of our games on the podcast. And uh, as, as just a way to, uh, to give, give the listener an idea of, of, of what this, what, what occurs here. I okay. think it'd be, it'd be kind of fun and it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun for us to, to have them just ripping on us because we're terrible. Well, you, I think we might have to, we're going to have to pay a little extra for that. Cause to have to act, I know, like, I don't know about you guys, but to, to, someone actually have to watch me play. Like I have yeah. trouble watching myself. <laughs> like that would be a nauseating experience for a professional goalie or goalie coach. I think I, although, well, and you know I'm game boys, but you also know that I'm going to record like four games and pick the best twenty minutes because yeah. <laughs> you know I've got too much. The Woody ego. highlight reel, the it's, beer league, you know, right? It's the beer league thing. Better than you. That's think. funny. When I took the got the job at Sportsnet, I had to send in a tape. I talked to my boss, and he said, uh, "Send in a tape." I was working at Edmonton at the time of uh, of tonight's broadcast. Uh, we'll look at it, and uh, and then we'll we'll see whether we want to pursue this. He goes, "But know this." It's it's Wednesday. I know who's playing tonight, so don't try and send in Tuesday show or Friday <laughs> show uh, and 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 sub it in. And that, that when you mentioned that, that's exactly what, what I was thinking. Well, he's, because because he's going to be like, so I got your tape, and it was supposed to be just like you know one twenty minute period. <laughs> yeah. Why does it look you're like this is six different rinks with four different sets of teammates, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and oh. the other team wears five sweaters? <laughs> oh no, I swear it was one game, man. I swear. I just happened to pick uh, the good clips. Uh, that is uh, that is a lot of fun, and the idea that uh, that he had the same. Like, we all hear about guys going to the ECHL to get more time because they're going to play a ton of games. Maybe the top prospect goes to the ECHL because he's going to get to play more, uh, and we assume everybody's on board with that. That's not always the case. Well, last week and this week proved that true. Well, and I'm just going to say, like, it's a good league still. You have to respect that, and I think this is two yeah. weeks in a row, whether Stephen Valakat two weeks ago or Mackenzie Skapsky this week. If you think you're above it in any way, shape, or form, you're not focused on it because you think you shouldn't be there, it's going to eat you up in a hurry. In anything. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're a a plumber, whether you're a pilot. Geez, you don't want to be a... Well, I guess pilots are above everything, aren't they? (laughs) I hope they are. I really, really hope so. You fly more than me, so you should be hoping so, too. (laughs) Well, I just mean they're in the sky. The pun flew right over Woody's head. Yeah, it, it went exactly. It went. You're totally right, Hutch. It went right over his head. Well, listen, listen. I mean, or if you're a podcaster <laughs> who forgets to hit record. <laughs> Good point. You're you're done. Okay, let's get us into the uh, the gear segment, and uh, we're gonna go check out uh, the hockey shop uh, with Cam. And you guys are having some fun this week. Yeah, I'm basically chirping him because his math sucks. But I'll be honest with you, there's not much to introduce. This is just an opportunity. Even though Cam can't figure out the percentages on the fly, this is just an mm-hmm. opportunity to save some money on some good gear, including, like I said, a two-for-one offer off the, off the top from Cam that I think a lot of people are going to be very interested in. So a lot of fun, a lot of chirps, a lot of barbs, and back and forth. But the bottom line is the bottom line. 
when it comes to the gear segment on In Gold Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports, Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source of Sports here in Surrey, British Columbia. We're down in the basement, or as I call it every week, a little slice of goalie heaven. Although I got to admit, we're kind of tucked away this week. Um, Cam and I in the corner office, not out amongst all this beautiful goaltending gear, because we need spreadsheets in front of us. We need lists of information, reams of information, so that we can digest all the things that are going to be on sale this week, starting for Black Friday on. Friday? Black Friday. Black Friday it is. So we are not going to start with, we're not going to focus on any particular piece of gear. We're just going to give you a list of some of the specials. It's a massive sale. It's a chance for them, you know, frankly, as Cam has admitted, to clear out some of their older stock, make room for all the new stuff that's coming in April. And that means it's a chance for you to save a lot of money, starting with two for one on foam core sticks. Are we talking like any, like, I'm seeing Warrior Pro 2 out there, a real high-end foam core stick. Those are two for one with all that stock you have? The rumor the rumor is true. The rumor is true. So we will be doing a, basically a buy one, get one for uh, uh, foam core wood sticks in particular, uh, ones that will be selected out. Um, there is like one exception out of that, and it's a current um, a CCM stick in particular, I believe. Uh, but that said, everything else, it's going to be marked and you can see it, it'll be up online and physically in store. You'll be able to see the special rack as well. So I got to ask, cause we've been talking a lot about composites and foam cores. I've had a couple articles up on NHL.com about the evolution in the NHL away from the foam core stick. Is this a precursor for you guys? To have less foam core in stock and more composite? Or what, what are we looking at here? I would say a little bit of a late reaction by us, put it that way. It's, it's changed that much. If you haven't read Kevin's article yet, by the way, go please do so on the NHL.com. Oh, nice, nice little <laughs> shameless plug there, Cam. Um, yeah, but obviously the trend towards composite, but there are still a lot of people I know that like a foam core stick. And at the highest end, the pro ones are still a nice light stick and you can get those, like I said, Black Friday sale at thehockeyshop.com or in person here at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. Two for one starting on Friday. Cam, give me a couple of other key items. Just some some of the bigger ticket ones, some of the best examples of what you've got coming up on sale uh, for people to keep an eye out for at thehockeyshop.com. Uh, again, one of the more exciting ones that we'll have, uh, we'll have some select leg pads at basically 50% off in the pro category. So we're talking like a $2,000 pad down to $9.99. Um, we'll leave it uh, for you guys to find out a little bit, but I can give you a hint. It is a Vaughn pad. So get excited. Um Gloves and blockers. Um, there's a few things that uh, we're going to have on on sale for a decent amount off as well. Um, I don't have the exact percentages in front of me, but uh, I can say it's definitely definitely worth checking out for in the pro category in particular. We've got a couple ones that we're definitely looking to make through. Let's give an example. Let's get let's go let's go optic because we were talking recently about the optic two, which means you got to clear out some optic ones. And of course, blocker not a huge difference. Um, you still have the BOA system. Gloves still have the BOA system. The biggest difference we found in the glove in our Optic 2 review, which of course you can read it in goldmag.com, is they've got a, the, basically the brake is stitched in through the palm now. The original Optic 1 glove was designed to sort of have you know, the ability to break it in on a couple different lines, a couple different angles to sort of change up the angle. So uh, if that sounds appealing to you and you want to save some money, the Optic One glove and blockers, and you've got a, quite a few of them left over here, uh, they're going to be on sale on Black Friday. How much off on those? Uh, you're going to be looking at 
Five hundred bucks for a catcher uh, for a Brian's hand-built in Canada catcher. That's plus probably tax. about one hundred and thirty, hundred and forty dollars off from its regular price. That's correct. Yeah. So I, I mean, again, if I was better at math, I'd tell you the percentage off there. But we should put you on the spot. I think that I think there's another podcast to do with hockey where they got a math genius who played in the NHL. I think by the name of Ryan Whitney, Cam Matt with you or no Ryan Whitney when it comes to math genius. <laughs> um, what are some of the? Uh, give me a couple other, couple other quick ones here that we can tease the folks with for the Black Friday sale at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports and the HockeyShop.com. Uh, sticking with um, uh, in terms of uh, gloves and blockers, uh, we have some uh, Bauer X900 gear uh, left over uh, as well. Um, some decent sales on that for uh, basically blockers in particular. Uh, I know we're a little bit leaner on um, trappers that we're left for, but uh, uh, once again, couldn't tell you the percentage. I'm not Ryan Whitney, so uh, Scrolling on down and through um, chest protectors. We have a few select chest protectors that are going on as well. Um, some older CCM premier stock that's uh, left over. Um, oh, ho, 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 ho. CCM premier chest protectors on sale? Sure is. And then this would be... So this is the one that I've always said that, you know, if they ever to change this model, I'm going to stock it like like kind of like my Cleveland wedges before they change the the groove rules so that like these things are like cheating zip wedges and i went and bought like four of them you're telling me i, I could get one of those on still ccm premier chesties on sale that's correct and just to clarify this is the premier pro <clears throat> from three years ago um there's a current premier pro called the le that one's going to stay at regular price but to be honest they're exact same chest protector so pick up this sale one if you're looking for a premier pro chest protector um, they're going to be on for a good price as well that's enough to get me here. So what time does it start? What time do I have to be lined up outside the hockey shop source for sports? Or for those of you who can't make it in person here in Vancouver in the lower mainland, what time do I have to have my computer fired up and scrolled on over to the hockey shop.com? So I believe keep an eye on, uh, like, so if you're part of our mailing list, uh, you'll get a, uh, a flyer that pops out and that will be the, the time that uh, it goes live. I believe it's literally Friday, 12, 12 a.m. Um, store opens at 10 a.m. for everyone uh, but but, it, but i can stay up past midnight and get on the online deals early is that what you're telling me if you did want to that, i mean friday's friday and as of 12 a.m that's friday so wow i might have to stay up and get on get on top of that of course if you're not on the mailing list we haven't talked about this before make sure you go over to the hockey and look for the sign up just jot in your email and then every time we have the specials it's, it's on their main website Sign up, subscribe, and then every time we have one of these, you don't have to listen to the podcast, although you should anyways, because it's full of genius <laughs> insights from guys like Cam. Um, but you'll be able to get these hand-delivered into your inbox and you won't miss out. Hockey Shop, source for sports, thehockeyshop.com, Black Friday sale, and it continues for how long starting Friday at midnight or 12.01 a.m. till? I believe we go all the way through onto the Cyber Monday technique. Perfect. Big savings this weekend at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey, BC, and thehockeyshop.com. Make sure you get on top of that. Uh, Get online early because there are limited supplies in some of these items and they'll probably sell quickly. If you're down here in person, make sure you annoy the crap out of Cam. Uh, He's going to be busy, but make sure you bug him just on our behalf. Cam, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, I don't know who needs more help in those percentages because you're not exactly a math whiz woody and and cam's kicking that all over the place well i mean is this the part where i admit that i was a math major for three years at the university of british columbia were you and math and computer science
<laughs> technology is, is a, such a strong suit for you. I know. Like, well, the world changed, right? Everything got easier and I can't do any of it. So, and I took a few pucks in the head. So that's <laughs> we my, could probably get, that's we could probably get sponsorship excuse. from UBC to get us to stop talking about you having been a math major there. <laughs> Exactly. Well, uh, it's like the, oh, anyway, I'm not going to go down that path. Uh, so the, the bottom line is this is an incredible sale that, that's coming up. And uh, it's, it's Black Friday at the, the hockey shop and a chance to online uh, to, to really dive into this. Yeah. And if you're not quite onto the composite stick thing yet, if you haven't quite made that stride and you still like a foam core, like I said, two for one on foam core sticks. Um, that's kind of like me talking about the CCM Premier Chest and Arm. That's on sale too. I'm gonna stock up on that thing. You gonna go you know? get your extras? I'm gonna go get my extras. <laughs> I can put them in the garage along with the Cleveland wedges that I still have from like ten years ago that have the illegal grooves on them. But well, he's gonna start wearing two Premier Chesties to practice his games now. Yeah, I probably still won't stop a thing. Put one over your head. Might protect it. <laughs> uh, do you? Okay, though. How many of those Cleveland wedges? You brought that up a few times. I bought two extra sets. Really? Like extra sets? Yeah. Well, I mean, so a 54 and a 58. That's what I yeah. use. It's my wedges. I probably should have bought a 50, but yeah, like, I don't know. I, I used to play a lot of golf. What can I say? It's like taking two sticks to the game, boys. By the way, yeah. I'm still getting chirped about that one. Are so you, you telling me? Are you telling me you don't? Do you go to the rink with two sticks? Come on. So of course, why, but not a warm up stick. Well, yeah, I don't. Why would you use your starter stick in warm up? So that's I, hilarious, Woody. Because you got to yeah, warm up the you, stick. You are you are unique, and that's oh, that's why we you, love you. Only you have to warm up the stick. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's and it also taking some heat off Dad. Uh, December second is a big big day in our universe. Hutch, would you like to uh, just? inform the people of what we've got planned here yeah well lots of uh long days and sleepless nights as we get prepared to launch on monday december 2nd i think we've said on here before the first but uh that was just a number we pulled out of the air and then we looked at a calendar and realized that uh the monday is actually on the second and we probably need all day sunday to get this finished uh <laughs> we're we're bringing a new version like a like a well-oiled machine and oh. we are nothing like a well-oiled machine yeah well we've released uh we've released uh versions of our magazine at two o'clock in the morning on christmas eve in the past uh we just like to run things right up to the deadline um yeah so december 2nd monday we will be releasing uh, a new version of in goal magazine it's a premier version of in goal mag we're asking people to come and join us as members of the in goal community uh, where we will have exclusive content, uh, everything from pros breaking down their game and Woody's favorite new segment, the Pro Read segment, uh, as pros look at their saves and tell us how they made them. Uh, we will have exclusive interviews, gear content as we talk to pros in the room, um, just all sorts of the great content that we've been, frankly, sitting on for years. We've had so much time with these guys in the summers and as they roll through town and haven't had uh, the time and the resources to actually take that and, and produce something that we can share with uh, with all all the in goal people out there. And uh, really, the only way we can do that is through a, a premier edition. And, and we're going to bring that to everybody uh, starting December 2nd. And uh, we'll be letting people know over the next uh, 10 days to two weeks just uh, how, how, how that will be rolling out and looking forward to sharing all that content with everybody and getting your feedback. If you don't want to miss it, uh, how do people make sure that they're tapped into InGoalMag? Quite simply, go to InGoalMag.com 
And if you look over on the right-hand side of your, uh, of your screen, you'll see a little place to subscribe to our updates. Those updates are all free. You'll get uh, emails from us each week when we release a podcast. Uh, any new and exciting things like, I don't know, a whole premiere edition coming out soon. Uh, we will email you and let you know that it's happening. So you won't miss anything there. I'm sure, quite sure that we'll, we'll have everything for you. And, and on December 2nd, if you just head over to ingolmag.com, uh, we'll have a link to the new edition right there. Sounds fun. What are you ready for this? No, probably not, to be honest with you. Um, and this is, uh, but, but hey, listen, hey, listen, I hit record so people can actually hear me say this, which means I will be ready by the time it counts. At the end of the day, as Hutch said, um, he, like, our listener, you wouldn't believe the hour, I mean, hours, I mean, gigabytes of video terabytes. that I have, terabytes of video of us on the ice accessing guys in the summer. Uh, entire trip to Florida to to be on the ice with Robbie Tallis and Berto Luongo last summer. Um, the reality is processing it and turning it into a product um, for our listeners is massively time consuming and takes resources. And so that's why this premium product is going to be a subscription product uh, because it's going to allow us to continue to gather this stuff, continue to make the trips, but to pay people to help us process and get it out in a more timely fashion. Um, this will just be the tip of the iceberg. So uh, if all the people that have followed us for you know the last 10 years now, Hutch, almost 10 years 10 doing years? this oh, in 10 for sure. In, yeah. Doing this in goalmag.com thing. Um, you know, if they see value there, uh, and I think there is, this will be the type of content nobody else does, frankly. Um, then uh grab a subscription, join us for the ride. It's gonna be fun. There will be a few sleepless nights as we get started. But the whole concept here is that if people really do embrace it, um, that, that we will have more and more people helping us produce it and we'll be able to get it out quicker and faster to everyone. As a matter of fact, we'll, you know, we're looking quickly to add writers at some other locations as well. Um, let's just see how it goes on December 2nd. You're right. The people will decide. But if you like what you hear, if you love these interviews and this content and you want more of it, jump on board and, and you will be blessed with uh, with plenty more from the world of goaltending. Uh, for Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millard. It's time to Skapsky out of here. Sorry, that was cheesy, but we're we're done for this one. It's been uh, it's been a lengthy episode, but a really uh, a really enjoyable one, mainly because of all the chirps. Uh, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and thanks for tuning in to Ingle Radio, the podcast. And you can find us on inglemag.com. Presented by Source of Sports Story, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. <laughs>